This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, we have what is called the Christian graces. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye neither shall be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to start today a series of lessons here on the Christian graces. And we're going to be looking here at verse 5 today, the first part of that verse, where it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, as we look at this lesson, first of all, we need to give some definitions. What is diligence? The word diligence here is translated from the Greek word spude, which is found 12 times in the New Testament. We'll give some examples of that in just a moment. Thayer defines spude this way. Haste with haste, earnestness, diligence, earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. Now some examples of that word, we're going to use three examples. The first is in Mark chapter 6 verse 25 to give you some ideas of how the word is used. And here in Mark 6:25, the word spude is the word translated as the word haste. Mark chapter 6 verse 25 says, And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Of course, this is the daughter of Herodias, who pleased Herod there on his birthday with the dancing that she did. But we're looking here, the word haste. She came in with haste, you might say with diligence, with earnestness in accomplishing anything. And that was what she was in a hurry to get was the head of John the Baptist. Well, in Romans chapter 12, we have another use of the word spude. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the word spude here is translated as business. Romans 12, verse 11 states, not slothful in business, serving the Lord. The American Standard says, in diligence, not slothful. We might say, going back to our definition, in accomplishing, promoting, or striving everything or anything there, be not slothful. Don't be lazy in the things that we're trying to accomplish. And then one other example. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 8, 16 
the word spude is translated as earnest care. That verse reads this, chapter 8, verse 16, But thanks be to God which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So that same diligence, that same earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything, and he put that same diligence in him. All right. So what then does it mean to apply all diligence or give all diligence? The word giving there. In Second Peter chapter three verse five, and beside this, giving all diligence. The word giving from the Greek word pyrespharo. That word is found one time, and it's only here in Second Peter chapter one verse five. Vincent's word studies gives this definition of the Greek word: to bring in by the side of, adding your diligence to the divine promises, adding on your part. So bring in beside of, adding your diligence to these things that we're looking at here at the Christian graces, giving all diligence. So what then does it mean to give all diligence when it comes to adding virtue to your faith. Well, we're going to look at virtue first from the Greek word arete. That word is found five times in the New Testament. And Thayer defines that word this way. A virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. Any particular moral excellence as modesty, purity. Now, Vincent's word study says that the word is used here in Second Peter chapter one verse five, not in the sense of moral excellence, but of the energy which Christians are to exhibit as God exerts his energy upon them, as God calls us by his own virtue. And he gives Second Peter 1, 3. It says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So there God has given us you know, to glory and are calling us to glory and virtue. And then he says, verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So Christians are to exhibit virtue or energy in the exercise of their faith. In Philippians chapter 4, a place where the word arete is used. Again, it's used. this one is used five times in the New Testament. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that word is translated as virtue. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, 
whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So at the, the definition for virtue here or arete would probably reply to Thayer's second definition, any particular moral excellence as modesty and purity. And then we find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that same word arete, and here it is translated praises. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the praises of him, the moral excellence, the modesty, the purity, the virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action that we have here in God, showing forth his virtues in that way. So then, what does it mean to add virtue or energy to my faith? Well, we want to define faith, and we're going to look at a couple of places. The first one, of course, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, gives a description of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, so as we look at this verse, we find faith is the substance the word substance there means the support. Maybe you could call it the substructure of things hoped for. Now you think about faith and hope. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So the things is the substance or the assurance or the substructure, the support of things hoped for. And Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 mentions that hope that is set before us. Now let's also go look at John 20, 30, and 31. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where John wrote, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So this is that faith that we're looking for. That is the support of the things hoped for. And then he says the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence there means the proof. Going back to what we just read in John 
John is saying this is the proof and you can have faith in. You can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and in doing that, you have hope. Go to Romans chapter 4 at this point. Romans chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Speaking of Abraham here, it says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. All right, now that verse, who against hope believed in hope. In other words, you know, talking about Abraham at this point was promised by God that he would have a son, a son. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. Go back to, Gen- keep your marker here in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to go back, or Gen- Romans chapter 4, and we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. It says there, and he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell, or count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And that's what Paul is quoting here in verse 18, where he says, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Well, we understand from the point over here in the book of Genesis that Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. And you look at the promise there made by God, you go to Genesis 17:15. God said to Abraham, "Is for Sarai thy wife? Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. King of and kings of people shall be of her." Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, "Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old?" And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? Well, God promised that Isaac would be born, and Isaac was. But we kind of come back over to Romans chapter 4, verse 18, verse 19, I mean. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, again, 100 years old, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was 90 years old. So you look at something that is hopeless there in verse 18, and yet Abraham knew that God could do what he promised. And so Sarah conceived, and they had a son. But verse 20 here in Romans chapter 4 talks of Abraham. He says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You know, that right there, that verse 21, is a definition of faith. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, we saw a description of faith. Romans 4.21 is the definition of faith, being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised 
God was able also to perform. God will do what he promised. And we can have faith that that is true. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. But you know, Abraham had to put forth energy in his faith. He had to be diligent in his faith. Well, then we need to ask ourselves a question. Am I convinced that heaven is there to achieve? Do I believe that or not? Yes or no? Second question, do I want to go to heaven? Yes or no? And then the question is, what am I doing to get there? What kind of energy am I putting forth to get to heaven? Is my faith energized to get to heaven? Is my life an example of giving all diligence to add virtue, energy to my faith, my belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that I am going to be judged by the Word of God, that there heaven, there is heaven to achieve and hell to avoid. Am I putting forth energy in order to get there, to heaven? Well, it takes energy added to faith to please God. Go back over to the book of Hebrews 11 now again and look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, without that faith in God, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, if we want to come to God, what does he say? We must believe that God is, that God exists, that there is a God, yes. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the word diligent here in Hebrews 11.6 is a different word, a different Greek word. The word for diligent back there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 was Pharaoh. Uh, the word diligently here in Hebrews 11.6 is exeto, exeto. And that is found seven times in the New Testament. And Thayer defines the word this way. To seek out, to search for, to seek out, for example, investigate or scrutinize. So it really comes to them that diligently seek, we're looking at there. So there has to be energy if we're going to seek God. Diligently seeking Him, putting forth that energy to do that. So in James chapter 2, look at verses 19 and 20. James 2, 19 and 20, 
James says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith apart from works is dead, or a faith without works is dead. King James, the American Standard, apart from. So whenever we look at this, we find that faith without energy is dead. And then verse 24 says, You see how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. There has to be energy in our faith. You know, we look at Hebrews 11.4. Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, he being dead, yet speaketh. So we look at Abel. Abel had energy in his faith to do what God said to do. And we know that he did what God said to do because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God told Cain and Abel what sacrifices he required. Abel put forth energy in order to accomplish what God wanted done. Cain did not. So Abel mixed energy with his faith. And then also look at Hebrews 11:7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So God told Noah what's going to happen. He told Noah how to build the ark. He told Noah how to prepare for the flood and getting things ready for the ark. We go back and keep your marker here in Hebrews chapter 11. And we find, we go back to the book of Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to find that Noah put energy with his faith. Now, chapter 5, verse 32 says, Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We go to chapter 7, verse 11. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So we find Noah being 500 years old in chapter 5, verse 32, 600 years old when the flood began. So it took Noah 100 years from the time that God gave him the instructions here in chapter 6 on how to make the ark and how to prepare for it. Noah had to build that ark. He had to put forth energy 
with his faith. And you'll notice that it said that Noah there again found grace in the eyes of the Lord and Noah was allowed to come into the ark he had built, chapter 7. And verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And again it mentions there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, that Noah was warned of God as things not seen as yet. Again, it had not rained upon the earth before the flood. Noah had never seen rain. He'd never had any reason at all to build an ark or anything like that before. But Noah believed God. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, in verse 5, it says, Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So from the time of creation until the flood, it had not rained on the earth. Noah had never seen rain. He didn't know what rain was. And yet by his faith in what God said, Again, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Noah built that ark. He put forth energy in his or with his faith in order to build the ark. And you know, what does, what we might ask ourselves, does my faith have the energy that Abel faith had? Does my faith have the energy Noah had? or Noah's faith had. Well, look at Hebrews 11 again, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing, knowing, not knowing whether he went. Does our faith have the same energy that Abraham's faith had? Does our faith have the same energy that Sarah's faith had? Verse 11 of Hebrews 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And who had promised? God had promised. She was 90 years old. And yet she received the strength to bear and conceive Isaac because her faith had energy. You know, does... And we'll ask, ask ourselves again, does my faith have the energy that is mentioned of those who are looking for a heavenly city? Hebrews 11, beginning there in verse 13, it says, these all died in faith. Who are we looking at? Abel, of course, Enoch didn't die, verse 5, but Noah, Abraham, Sarah, these all died in faith, and they put energy in their faith. And it says, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, they believed, and they put energy with their faith, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they knew 
excuse me, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they had came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In other words, they weren't, you know, Abraham came out of the earth of the Chaldees. He wasn't going back. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You see, they were looking for that city, that better country that God has prepared. They put energy with their faith, again, virtue with their faith, because they were looking for that heavenly city that God has prepared. And then you go to John chapter 14. Jesus mentions a little about that heavenly city. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, have faith. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Jesus is saying, have faith. You believe God. You believe in God. Believe me. And then he gives a little description. He goes, and I'm coming back to get you. I'm coming back to get you. So does our, does my faith have the energy to be ready when Jesus comes back to receive the faithful? Well, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, ask again this question. Does my faith have the energy or the virtue that Moses had? Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 to 27. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So does our faith have the energy that Moses' faith had. You know, what did Moses do? Well, he was 40 years old. He killed the Egyptian. He fled to Midian. 40 years later, when it was 80, God sent him back to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It took energy to do that. It took virtue. And then Moses led them through the wilderness there for 40 years. So Moses' faith had energy. He added virtue or energy to his faith. So what can we say? Ask yourself this question. Does my faith have energy 
when you don't even make it to all the services of the church. You know, here we're in Hebrews 11. Go back to verse 25 of chapter 10. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Does my faith have that kind of energy? Does my faith show its energy when I have trouble getting the services on time? You know, we have the energy to make it to ball games on time. We have the energy to do the things that we want to do. Do we have that energy or that virtue added to our faith? You know, look at some more here in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were cost about seven days. Well, you think about the size of the army of the Israelites there, and it was over 600,000. You can go back to the book of Numbers and find that out. It's over 600,000. God told Joshua in order to conquer the city of Jericho, and we're going to Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua chapter 6, it says there, now Jericho was, verse 1, was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So have faith, I've given it to you. And then he gives instruction. Verse 3, Then ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day he shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. So he's saying, have faith, Joshua. I'm giving you the city, but you're going to have to expend some energy to do it. You're going to have to add virtue to that faith you have. Again, 600,000, a little over 600,000 marching around the city of Jericho one time a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. And that's what they did. You find over in verse uh, chapter 6, now a little bit further on, verse 12, And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So did they six days. So six days of marching. And then verse 15, it came to pass on the seventh day 
that they rose up early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And then we drop down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. So does my faith have the energy that Joshua and those men of war had? Verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Does my faith have the same energy that Rahab had? And then we, you know, verse 32, it mentions Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Does my faith have the energy that these individuals had? Does my faith have the energy to obey God? You know, how, you know, ask myself the question. Ask yourself the question. Do I want to go to heaven? Of course we do. But then the next question, what am I doing to get there? Am I adding virtue? And I, am I adding energy to my faith? You know, we must not allow the things of this world to consume the energy that we need to get to heaven. Going back to the book of Hebrews again, chapter 12. I'm going to look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says there, Wherefore, after all these faithful adding energy to their faith. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, we have all these individuals that added this energy to their faith. They added virtue to their faith. Let us, in other words, you and me, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, in this verse we see several things. We've already looked at this great cloud of witnesses. You know, they're from chapter 11, the entire chapter, this great cloud of witnesses, all these examples that we have of individuals that had added virtue, added energy, to their faith, let us lay aside every weight. Again, using the, he says we're in a race there. What kind of a race are we in? Well, we're not in a hundred yard dash. We're not even in a quarter mile run or a mile run. We're in a marathon. This life is a marathon. 
And we need to be laying aside the weights of this life. What would be the weights of, what are we talking about? There are things that will drag us down that are not necessarily wrong if we use them in the right way. But if we don't use them in the right way, they're going to drag us down. You think about that runner that's running in the race, running a marathon. Are you going to want to run a marathon with a, well, with a parka on? That would be a weight. What about running a marathon in a pair of boots? That would be a weight. But what about our Christian lives? We need to lay aside the things that weigh us down. In chapter 8 of the book of Luke, in his explanation of the parable of the sower, verse 14 says, And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth. In other words, they've started the race, they've gone forth in the race. But they didn't lay aside every weight. What are the weights? Well, he tells us. That which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. See, those are weights, the cares, the riches, the pleasures of this life. Those are weights that you and I, according to Hebrews 12.1, need to lay aside. You know, it's not wrong to have riches and pleasures, and there are things we care but why are we allowing those things to suck the energy from our spiritual lives when we're trying to get to heaven? So lay aside these weights, but then he says, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The sin there, you look it up, unbelief. You see, if we... If we truly have or are adding virtue or energy to our faith, then we're not going to be in unbelief. We're not going to allow sin to beset us. The word beset there means a competitor thwarting a racer. Now, who would be the competitor that thwarts us in this life? Well, that's going to be the devil. But what's he going to use? He's going to use your friends. He's going to use our families. He's going to use the cares and the pleasures and the riches of this life to try to hinder us in this race we're in. And then he says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, when you're running a marathon, and I've never run a marathon, the furthest I've ever run was 12 miles, and that's far enough for me. But in that, in that 12-mile run I did, I didn't start out running like it was a 100-yard dash. I didn't start out running like there was a bear chasing me. 
I wouldn't have ever made it to the end of that 12 miles. I had to run with patience, pacing myself. In our spiritual lives, we have to run this race with patience. The word patience there in the Greek means hopeful endurance. You have to have endurance to get through this life and run that race that is set before us. That's, that's this life. Run with hopeful endurance. You know, whenever you know that there is an end, that is coming to an end. I knew that 12 miles was coming to an end. This life is coming to an end. Each one of us, our lives will come to an end if the Lord doesn't come back first. And then our physical lives will come to an end because we're going to be changed. But we must run with patience, this hopeful endurance, because we know what's coming. And in order to achieve what is coming, we have to add energy to our faith. We must be diligent. In other words, making haste, being earnest in striving to accomplish, to promote, to strive after the goal that is coming. And we need to add this energy or virtue to our faith. We have example after example of those who had energy added to their faith to accomplish the goal that God desired. Even when some of them were old. And you know what? Go back and look at Hebrews chapter 11. Abel was a human being just like we are. Enoch, a human being just like we are. Noah, a human being just like we are. Abraham, Sarah, human beings just like we are. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, they're human beings just like we are. And we can add our to our faith the energy, the virtue that we need just like they did. We must not waste our energy on the fleeting pleasures of this world and allow them to rob us of our heavenly home. We must use our energy adding energy or virtue to our faith in order that we can be pleasing to God. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning today into opening the scriptures. We look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. 
You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoy this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.